Hello, my name is Tim Fritzen. I'm the lead pastor at Liberty Christian Fellowship, and this is the Bible Initiative Podcast. If you take a quick glance at your reading plan for this week, you'll notice that for the first time in our reading, we're skipping a fairly large portion of Scripture. What's contained in those sections of Exodus are the instructions for and the building of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. These two items are going to play an important role in other portions of the Old Testament, so it's important that we have an understanding of what they were and what their purpose was. And so for that, we're offering this podcast that we're calling Explaining the Tabernacle. Before we jump into an explanation of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, we thought this would be a good place to talk about why our reading plan is going to jump over sections of Scripture, some of them quite large at times. Our hope with this plan and with this year, as we've mentioned before but never fully explained, is to walk through the large storyline of the Bible, both Old and New Testament. This being the case, we chose to stick mainly to the portions of the Old Testament that tell the story or narrative of God and his relationship to and working amongst the Israelite people. Throughout the Old Testament, there are other sections of Scripture that are descriptive or are recording of lists of laws and commands or genealogies. Working through the table of contents in your Bible, you'll see that the second half of the Old Testament is comprised of the books of the prophets. In most instances, we chose to leave out of our reading plan these descriptive or prophetic portions. By not reading those, our hope certainly is not to imply that these passages are not important or that they don't contain information that is useful for our understanding of who God is, our knowledge of his word and his work to redeem humanity from their sin, or for growing in our relationship with him. We emphatically uphold the truth of 2 Timothy 3.16, which says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In trying to come up with a reading plan that would walk us through the storyline of the Bible and provide an amount of reading that we felt was manageable for people regardless of their previous engagement with Scripture, we chose to leave some things out of our reading. In general, this meant passing over sections of genealogies, chapters that are predominantly descriptive, as well as those prophetic books. Our hope is to offer podcasts such as this one when we come to those places, and our prayer is that by reading through the major storyline of the Bible this year, you'll grow in both a thirst for and a discipline in reading the Bible and can look for a whole Bible reading plan in the years to come. With that understanding, now we'll turn our attention to the Tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. The first gap in your reading plan takes place after Exodus 20, which is the recounting of God giving the Israelites the Ten Commandments. He also gave them a list of ordinances that were to dictate other facets of their daily lives. These are recorded in Exodus 21, 22, and the first half of Exodus 23. After those ordinances and assuring the Israelites of their conquest of the Promised Land, God confirms his covenant with the people and then gives them a very detailed list of instructions for building a portable sanctuary in a golden box, which would house his presence. In Exodus chapters 25 to 30 are the instructions for making that sanctuary, the tabernacle, as well as that golden box, the Ark of the Covenant. It also contains instructions for how the tabernacle and the ark were to be transported, who the priests that attended it were to be, and what those priests were to wear. Here's roughly what that structure looked like. The tabernacle was a large tent that sat in the middle of a fenced-in area. The area surrounding the tent provided a kind of court outside the tabernacle. Inside the tent, there were two rooms, an inner room and an outer room. That inner room was called the Most Holy Place, and it was to contain the Ark of the Covenant, which was a golden box with golden cherubim or angelic beings that were positioned on top of it. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, 
which was housed in the inner room of the tent, was where God's presence would uniquely and powerfully dwell among the Israelite people. There are all kinds of ornate decorations that accompany the ark and the tabernacle, and all of them give us images that remind us of the Garden of Eden. And this is a really big deal. Here's why. Remember, when Adam and Eve sinned and left the Garden of Eden, they were forced to leave God's presence. Here, in the tabernacle, more specifically in the Ark of the Covenant, as he promised, God is going to dwell among his uniquely chosen people, the Israelites. Wherever the people traveled, they were to pack up the tabernacle and the ark and transport it in a very particular way while God's presence went before the Israelites in a cloud of smoke and fire. When they stopped traveling, they were to set up the tabernacle and the ark and God's presence would settle over the top of it among the people in the middle of their camp. Exodus 32 and 33 are part of your reading plan because they give an account of the Israelites creating an idol for themselves while Moses is on Mount Sinai in the presence of the Lord. He's there receiving the instructions for the tabernacle and the ark, and the people begin to get anxious and have this golden calf made for them to worship. Following this account, there are five chapters, Exodus 35 to 39, that describe the construction of the tabernacle and the ark according to the very specific instructions that the Lord gave the Israelites. Finally, in Exodus 40, the tabernacle is erected, the ark is placed inside, and the glory of God's presence descends upon it. And that's the way the book of Exodus ends, with the, with the erecting of the tabernacle and the ark and God's presence dwelling among his people, just as he promised. So what does all of this mean for us today? I want to offer three items. The first is that the instructions for the tabernacle and the ark are very detailed and must be followed exactly. This should serve to remind us that coming into the presence of the Lord is on his terms, not on ours. He is the one who dictates to the Israelites the exact parameters by which his presence will be among them. They had to follow those parameters exactly. That's why reading in the second half of Exodus feels a bit like reading the same thing twice, because you are reading the same thing twice. Once you read God telling the Israelites what to do, then you read of the Israelites doing it exactly, and seeing both is important. Here's the second thing that means for us. The Israelites have the ability to be obedient. There are other places within the Old Testament where the Israelites are given specific instructions and then carry them out exactly as they're told to. Noah did this with the ark, and that was to carry his family and the animals in the midst of the flood. God gave him very detailed instructions for the boat, and he followed them perfectly. We saw it again in the Passover. God gave the Israelites specific instructions as to how they were to avoid the judgment that was going to fall upon the Egyptian people, and they carried them out perfectly. Here, the Israelites do that with the tabernacle and with the Ark of the Covenant. Later, they'll do the same with how certain sacrifices or offerings were to be carried out. The point is this. When it comes to matters of action, humanity, specifically here the Israelites, display that obedience is possible. At the same time, when it comes to matters of the heart and character, we see that sinful nature dwells within us all. Obedience to God is not impossible, but perfect moral conformity to his law is. Sin within the hearts of humanity makes it so. It is impossible for the Israelites to follow the commands of God perfectly because at their core they are sinful human beings. And the same is true for us today. It's impossible for us to follow all of God's commands perfectly because we're sinful. We need a Savior. But we do have the the ability to be obedient to the things that God calls us to. 
Third, and finally, we can track the movement of God's presence dwelling with his people throughout the Bible. Initially, he dwells with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In Exodus and throughout the first half of the Old Testament narrative, his presence dwells in the Ark of the Covenant within the tabernacle. Later, we'll see that his presence dwells within the temple in Jerusalem. And now, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his presence dwells within the hearts of those who have placed their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. In each of those instances, the dwelling place is holy. The inner room of the tent of meeting was the most holy place. The inner area of the temple is referred to as the holy of holies. A believer's heart is made holy and righteous thanks to the giving of Christ's righteousness to a believer when they come to faith. God wants to live in relationship with his people, but our sin separates us from him. Only when a space is made holy can he dwell with his people. By following the instructions for the ark and the tabernacle, a holy space was created for him to dwell with the Israelites. By following instructions for the temple, a space was made for him there. By coming to faith and being made holy in God's sight, a space is made within the heart of a believer for the Spirit of God to dwell. When Jesus comes back and puts a final end to the presence of sin, God's people will dwell with him forever. This unique dwelling of God's presence with his people is why the tabernacle is such a big deal. The unique dwelling of God's presence among his people is what he has always desired. And today, that's possible only by faith in Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this 10 minutes or so has been helpful in a couple ways. The first is that it's provided an explanation for why our reading plan moves the way it does throughout this year. And the second is that it has provided an explanation for the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, what they were, roughly what they looked like, and why they mattered. As always, you can find more resources at www.thebibleinitiative.com. We encourage you to go and check those out. And as always, we're praying for your reading in Scripture this week as you continue to walk through the large storyline of the Bible. 